You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Let me say thank you to the musicians as they continue to serve us. Thank you so much and just so great to, to hear the sound of praise in this place. And I want to say just a massive thank you to all of you for your incredible cooperation over what has been an unprecedented season and as we've tried to uh, implement and uphold and at times interpret government guidance and uh, just thank you so much for helping us. As of today, as you know, face masks here, we're saying are optional. We're, we're not saying that they're wrong. We're just saying it's your up to you. And I do want to say, because someone came at a recent prayer meeting uh, and said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm wearing a mask. I said, don't apologize for wearing a mask. That's a completely valid uh, choice. And, and I, I want to remind us, it says in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. I want to say there's neither mask nor unmasked, jabbed nor unjabbed. We are one in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, um, but uh, great to hear a sound of praise here today. Well, this year, um, we have really... Uh, felt the Lord speaking to us, and this has kind of been a bit of a, a theme through the early part of the year uh, about, I guess, the cost of discipleship, what it means to be a set-apart people, a holy people, that, that we don't believe God has called us to be those who are churchgoers, but those who are Christ followers, and that that would mean everything, that impacts every part of our lives, that, that He is calling us higher. He's always been calling us higher, but a sense of reminder that, that we would remember whose we are and what it means to live all in lives for Christ. Jesus said, unless you give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. That call to complete dependency. And yet, here's the incredible truth that if we will surrender our everything, he opens up to us his altogether more glorious and incredible everything. That actually he, he does call us to be crucified with Christ, that we might be dead to ourselves, but only that we might be raised with Christ and live in his resurrection power and life, to put off the old self in order that we could put on the new self. Old church, that we would truly get this, that we would truly get this and live in this. And so this week and next week, we're going to stay in this broad area of full commitment or being set apart. But I'm going to speak specifically into the area of stewardship and finance and giving and generosity, because this is a key expression of, of how we live a surrendered life. So the, my title for today is The Cup and the Bucket, The Journey to Generosity, which is a message I've shared before, but I'll further develop for today. The, the Cup and the Bucket. Jesus talks about the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And, and we're going to look a little bit around generosity. Next week, I'll speak into first things, a principle that I believe is so foundational to us as Christ followers. Your money and stewardship is always important and ever contemporary. Every day, we need money. We need substance. We use it in some way. We, we eat. We pay bills. We, there is transactions, whether we use Apple Pay or cash. Uh, we, we were out for lunch the other day, and uh, we, we had some cash, and we paid, and like, the, the waitress looked completely shocked. Like, what, what is this? What is, does anyone use that? And I was like, is this still legal tender? Is like, can you do this? Um, but really, it's, 
it's uh, so relevant to us, money. And yet it can also be a huge area of stress and pressure. And we're in a world and a culture, particularly here in the Western world, that where the culture would seek to invade our lives. And, and if we're not on our guard, would link the perception of what success in life is about, even our identity to relative wealth and visible possessions. A multimillionaire was once famously asked how much more money he needed to be happy, and he replied, just a little bit more. And that can be the reality for many of us. It's easy to sing, I surrender all, but to live, I, I surrender some, or, or even, I, I, I don't even surrender any. Um, and, and money is by no means a side issue. It's massive. But I'm also aware it's, it's really sensitive and it's delicate. But Jesus, speaking of money, said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm going to invite us to pray. Would you join with me? I even want, might even want to put your hand on your heart just for a moment. Jesus, you said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord, we're talking about being a, a set-apart people, a holy people, a royal priesthood. Would you help us to get this area of our lives right, God? Would you help us, Lord, to keep growing in our discipleship of what it means to be stewards? Lord, would you help us, Lord, if we feel guilty around money, if we're wrestling with debt, Lord, if we're guilty because we have a lot or we're guilty, feel guilty because we have not enough, Lord, just come, help us, take us further and deeper into you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, over... A number of years, we taught into this area of discipleship each year. It's believing it's such a foundational part of discipleship. Over the last couple of years, as we've navigated the unprecedented challenges of COVID, we haven't done that in the same way. And so in some respects, we're maybe redue a, a visit. But, but you know what? It feels to me like this is so relevant right now because the, the news obviously completely dominated right now by the horrendous atrocities in, in Ukraine. But, but aside of that, probably the most present news item is around rising energy prices and, and inflation and the anticipation of, of rising costs. And if you've been sweating, if you've got a car, you've been sweating at the petrol pump, you've maybe been suffering from the car owner virus. Um, but I, I understand that. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Um, it was, wasn't very good at all, actually, was it? Um, I was just trying to lighten things up a little bit, you know, so... Um, but here's the thing that actually maybe for all of us this year is going to need some tie to stewardship, some budgeting, and some challenges. But I, I think it's so important we look at what the Bible has to say, that actually we would live as a people of faith, that we wouldn't be dictated to by, by the news headlines or the world. Not that, we're, not that we ignore the reality that we're in, but we would live according to Scripture. We have to do that, church. We have to be a people of faith. You know, we serve the living God, the, the God whose arm is never too short, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the, the one who made a way where there was no way, the one who flew in breakfast in, into the desert, the one who brought forth water from the rock, and the one who speaks to us about how we should live. I want to also say to you, if you're part of the CLM family here and you're struggling to meet the essential cost of living, and by that we particularly mean food and bills and those sorts of things, and we have a hardship fund here. And Jonathan Chan, one of our assistant pastors uh, with a team oversees that. You can email jonathan at salemchurch.co.uk and let us know if we can help. As a charity, we have some parameters as how we have to administrate that, but we'll see if we can help. We would definitely 
want to do that. And yet it's so important, church, that we position ourselves, that we plant ourselves, especially at a time like this, in the principles of the Bible, in the paradigm of the Holy Spirit, and in the unchanging promises of God, that we, we don't let the, uh, the expectations of the world to determine how we live. And so the cup and the bucket, God calls us to be generous in spirit, and not just generous in spirit that stays as like a theory, but generous in spirit that translates into practice. I'd like to turn to three scriptures. Uh, firstly, Luke 6, this is Jesus, 37 to 38. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is why I have here a cup and a bucket. This, this to be clear, this is not about actual comparative sizes of gifts or giving. You know, some of us are positioned to be able to steward materially a lot more. This is about a heart attitude. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus, in the book of Luke, is watching the offering, and he's watching the temple offering, and he comments to his disciples about a widow who has two very small, the Bible says, copper coins, and she puts them both in, and he says, did you see that? Did you see that? She gave more than anybody else. You see, she was a bucket person. She, she was a generous person, and some of us, we can have much, and yet we can have a mean spirit, a cup spirit, and I want to encourage us, the Bible encourages us is that we would be generous people. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sometimes you see the generosity of children having very little in real terms, but a beautiful, generous spirit. They're bucket people, even though what they actually have might not amount to a great deal. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 to 8, and verse 11 says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The message version puts these same verses like this. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. Make up your own mind what you'll give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. And finally, Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 says, one person gives freely and yet gains more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. The message says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I, I, some of you know because you've been around church a while. That I, I always love to speak about this because it's been part of God's work in my own life. It's been something uh, incredible of the transformation of the Lord. It's, 
One of the ways I know God has changed me and changed my heart. You see, I don't know what happened, but when I came out of the womb, I came out tight-fisted. I think I literally came out like that. I had a sister. Well, I have a sister. She's two years older than me. She was so beautiful and generous as a kid. Like, she loved to spend her pocket money on other people. I love to spend my pocket money on myself. And I was, I was very much a, a mean-spirited person. I gave because I knew I had to give, but it was often through gritted teeth. Whereas my, gen, my sister just delighted to give, and yet she always seemed to have more. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and, and God started to unlock some things in my heart when I came to faith, and it's been an incredible journey for us. You know, as a kid, I used to hold my coins so tight, I made the queen cry. When we were early married, the Lord spoke to us clearly about giving away 10,000 pounds on top of tithes and offerings. We, just, we got married. We were in our first home. We had, we had no savings, but the Lord spoke to us. And so we set about a plan, and we decided to cut each other's hair. We bought a little tent and, and kind of go cheap camping and just to, just to kind of try and make this thing work. We knew it was the Lord. And I've got to tell you, it was such a joy. It was an incredible journey. We, we just privately, we were on with this thing. We were new we were responding to the prompting of the Lord, and he blessed us, helped us. We both got promoted, and over a time of about 18 months, we managed to fulfill on top of our tithes this, this gift. But I tell you this because something incredible happened after that. We never have given to get, and we, we didn't give that to get. We, we gave to be obedient. But in the two years that followed, we received into our world from unsolicited sources, including a, an inheritance from someone we were not related to, and random gifts. So, and it's at the end of it, we're in such an exceptional season that we totaled it up, we were given 17,000 pounds. And, and, I, and I say that because it's like the Lord was helping us understand that actually to become rivers and not to be ponds, that to trust him with what he says. My point is I've, I've had to learn to give. But I also want us to see that part of the Holy Spirit's work in our life is to change us. You see, for some of us, this can be a wrestle. I'm not going to stay here long, but I, I want us to understand because sometimes some of us can identify with this idea that when we get challenged to give, we give and we feel good about it, right? And yet when it comes, the challenge comes again, we, we, it's a wrestle like it was the first time. Whereas if you, if you enjoy, who enjoys eating food out like at a restaurant? And you know if you go and you go out and you eat at a restaurant, you enjoy it, the next time it's not a wrestle, right? It's like you remembered it was good and you want to go again. But, but when you give, there's a wrestle and you give and it's good and yet at the same time, so why is that? Well, that's because actually our flesh is the wrestle of the spirit and the flesh. See, in the beginning, we were formed in the image and likeness of God. We were created in the image and likeness of God who is generous. Can we say generous? Do you believe that God is generous? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus came, he said, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And God is abundant. The God that we serve is abundant. Look at the stars in the sky. He didn't just make a, a few fish in the sea. He, he put so much seed into a tree that, that it's, if all of the seeds that were to fall to the ground from an abundant tree were to be planted, it would become a forest. This, this, our God is abundant. We were created in the image and likeness of God. And it is my conviction that we were created, that we would be a generous and a free people. 
And yet I believe in, in, the, in the fall, having been formed, we were deformed. And we became mean-spirited and fearful and worried. And something happened in us. And in Christ, we're not just being reformed, we're being transformed. And I believe a work of God's grace in our lives is to bring us back to a place where we can be free in this area of stewardship. See, God loves to give. He gives grace to the humble. He gives life. He gives breath. He gives strength. He gives wisdom. He gives his spirit without measure. He gives blessing. This is our God. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, can we say we all? We all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Can we say transformed? Into his image, into his image, the image of the one who's generous and abundant. We're being transformed with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. For some of us, it's a process of recovery. He's helping us to live again, to truly live and to be in a place where we are free. In a moment, I'd like us to consider some barriers that we have to overcome. But firstly, look at some of the ways that we can be givers, that we can be generous. Firstly, we can be generous with our time. It's one of the things that we all have the same amount of, and yet it is so precious, right? And it can feel so pressurized at times, but we can use all our time on ourselves and we can use it to help others. We can use at least some of it to serve others, to listen to others, to ask somebody how they are and to stop and wait and listen for their answer. Sometimes, I know in normal life you go, how are you? I'm fine. But sometimes you just detect that that person's not fine. And if we got time to stop, and say, how are you really? Are you okay? Let's sit down. Why don't we catch up? We can give time to people in our places of work and study, to our neighbors. Or we can keep it all to ourselves. You know, over the last couple of years, there's been a, a, a massive heightened understanding, which I think has been a really good thing, about well-being. And we've run a course here around well-being through our life groups. And, and hear me right, because I believe it's incredibly important that we attend to the health of ourselves and to our well-being. But one of the things that can happen whenever there is new revelation, whenever there is almost like a generational shift, when something has been un, like understated, it can become a little overstated. And it's like a pendulum swing that needs to come back a little. And I'm not saying that we don't attend to our well-being, but there can be a season that I, I've observed where many people have become incredibly self-protective. And the, the danger that I just want to highlight to us is that we don't live according to something of a worldly mandate, but according to Scripture, which says that we belong to one another, that we're called to serve one another, to be there for one another, to love one another, to be devoted to one another. And yes, we must attend to our well-being, but also with our time, we consider how can I be a blessing to someone else? It can be so impactful to give our time. When I was in my early 20s, I was working for, for a church. I worked six days a week. We, I began on a Sunday. We had five services and then, a, and then a student program after that. So it was kind of six services on a Sunday. And then I worked through until Friday night, finished at 11 p.m. with an 1825s group. And on the Saturday, that was my day off. But that was my only chance, really, because most evenings I was out with ministry stuff uh, to do my shopping and my washing and my ironing. We, we were in a little flat, and we didn't have a washing machine, and there was no room for a washing machine, so I used to go to the laundrette. And uh, so every Saturday, I'd kind of walk down the road and uh, with my, my bag of washing, and I'd, I'd watch my washing go around, and then I'd watch it in the tumble dryer. And about three hours of my day off, I was in the laundrette. 
And one of the ladies at church, she heard about this and, and she said, hey, I, I hear you, you're, you're going to the laundrette Saturday. So why don't you just bring me your washing on a Sunday? Bring a bag of dirty washing and I'll, I'll bring it back the next week. I cannot tell you what a gift that was to her. Seriously. In that season, loads of people were, were kind and bringing prophetic words over my life. But I think this was the most precious gift I was given. And she, she had four kids and she could have said, I'm doing enough washing. I don't do anyone else's washing. But her, she was a bucket person. She was like, I'm doing six. I may as well do seven. I mean, then I had the dilemma whether I put my pants in or not. Because <laughs> you, 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 like if you put them in, she's seen your pants. But if you don't, she thinks you don't wear any. So you kind of, you know, you, you're like, but I, I want to I wanna encourage us to be generous with our time. We, we can also be generous with our talents. Thank God for for the people here, the, the musicians, the technicians, people that serve us. We had a, a leader's dinner here tonight. It looked incredible. Some creative people who'd brought their gifts into play to make the place look absolutely sensational. Like, I couldn't have done that. I don't, I'm not good at that. Some people are brilliant at IT. I, like, I'm, I, don't, I don't understand anything like that. I could barely get my phone to work. You know, so, but thank God people have got talents. Many, many times we, we don't recognize when we have a talent because actually it's just how we roll. It's normal to us. But maybe someone say, hey, you're amazing at that. How are we going to use it? How are we going to steward our talents? We can, we can be generous with our belongings. We can look at what we have and see if we can be generous. It was ironic. On Wednesday morning, I was doing some work on this message uh, from home and uh, I was literally at this point in my message and my doorbell rang and there was a lady who'd come. She was canvassing uh, the doors on our street for a particular cause. And it was that day this week where it was pouring with rain. And she'd come out without an umbrella and without a coat. And I just read, we can be generous with our belongings. And I said, you need an umbrella. And I gave her our umbrella. And she said, oh, I'll bring it back at the end of the street. I said, look, you, you can keep it. Like if you need this for the rest of the day. I don't know about you, uh, I don't know whether some of you have applied for homes for, for Ukraine. We got a communication yesterday from our denomination about how this is working. Like right now in phase one, if you have a direct contact, a personal contact of a Ukrainian refugee, you can make a way for them to come. But there's a phase two coming, where as, a, as, as others that maybe we're not in direct contact with somebody, we can potentially open up a room in our homes. And I know this is a big consideration, but I hope many of us, we'd be at least be considering, have, can we help? Can I do anything? Can I be generous? That our heart would at least want to be a bucket person, generous with what we have. We can be generous with our words. You know, no one ever died from too much encouragement. And sometimes we, we wait for someone to die before we say what they meant to us. Let's not do that. Why, why would we do that? We can be generous with our words. We can encourage and appreciate and affirm and, and thank. You know, if someone serves you in a place and they serve you well, tell them. Even better, tell their manager. Sometimes they say, can I speak to your manager? And they're always really worried. Can I speak to your manager, please? Well, like, what have I done wrong? I said, no, you've not done anything wrong. You've done everything right. And I say, can I speak to you? Because I just want to tell you how incredible this young lady's been today. Great. We, it doesn't cost anything to be generous with our words, to speak something out, to affirm somebody. I'm not talking about flattery, but just being generous. We can be generous with our finances, of course. Most of us don't think of ourselves as rich because we think somebody who's rich is someone who's got more than we've got. 
That's normally how we define rich. But if you were to line up 100 people across, uh, from representative from across the earth, Mr. and Mrs. Average United Kingdom would be eighth richest. Probably means most of us, if we had a choice of clothes to wear today, we're probably in the rich half of the world. And we can make a decision to be generous. And I understand many of us might be in a pressured season around finance. I understand that. But I also want to encourage us that we would be a people that are seeking in our hearts to be generous and to trust the Lord. But to become bucket people, to live as bucket people, there are a number of barriers to overcome. And I, I want to touch on four main barriers um, in this second half of the message. Firstly, I want us to look at how we overcome, if we're going to be generous people, uh, the error of ownership. I'm going to call it the error of ownership, which says it's mine, not his. Right at the heart of Christianity is the lordship of Christ. And as somebody once said, if he's not lord of all, then he's not lord at all. How can you be lord over a bit? You're, you're either lord or you're not lord. In the money parables, such as the minors and the talents, Jesus speaks, and he, he clearly is suggesting uh, God in the place of one who is an owner, a landowner, or a king. And, and what is given is entrusted to stewards or managers. And clearly, there is a picture that we are stewards of what comes into our lives. It's my personal conviction that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, according to Psalm 24. Which means this, that, that if I am not yet a Christian, and I therefore think everything I have is mine, Actually, it's not that I come to a place of being a Christian and then I work through the wrestle of surrender and turning ownership over. Actually, uh, my truth is distorted in the first place. It was never mine in the first place. And actually, if I come to a place of surrender, I have not done God a favor. I have not come to this great place of, of adjustment in my spiritual life. All I've done is align to the truth that it wasn't mine in the first place. I align to truth that actually, if anything is within my world and my remit, it is the Lord's and it is entrusted to me to steward. In 1 Chronicles 29, David says like this, everything comes from you and we have only given what comes from your hand. You see, if I view what is entrusted to me as mine, if I think I'm the owner and to give to God or anyone else is a favor I kindly do, I will always struggle in the area of generosity and honor. Or if I manage to do it or do it well, I'm likely to be proud about it. I remember speaking to someone about giving and, and they said, well, here's the issue. This is why it's difficult to speak about because you're speaking to people about, and they said this, their hard-earned cash. And here's the thing, because I, I thought, there, there's the problem right there. Because I've got to be honest with you, I don't view, however uh, uh, money has come into my world, I've, I've never viewed it since I came to faith as my hard-earned cash. I've always viewed it as the gracious provision of the Lord at that time in my life. And I think this is so important that we grasp this and we get this because then we understand that we are stewards. So this year in, in our household, we are stewards like you. We've got income in, but we've also got bills to play, to pay. We've got a budget to manage. This year, aware of energy prices, like some of you, we've got one of those little smart meters. It tells us how much gas and electric we're using. It used to live uh, in the cupboard under the stairs. Now it's in the kitchen. And it's helping us be more careful, be more diligent. And it's good because we're stewards, we're managers. And so what it means is actually we're stewarding our, our energy use much better. 
We're being much careful uh, and monitoring it. But what we mustn't do is become mean-spirited. And we must remember, actually, it's all the Lord. So a few weeks ago, the Lord spoke to us in, in the midst of, we're, we're trying to save a couple of pounds a day. And the Lord spoke to us to give several hundred pounds away to somebody. But you know what? It's not a problem because it, it's not ours. It's his. And so, so we're trying to manage a budget well, but we're also going to trust him. And you might say, well, well if, if that's not in the budget, how does that work? Well, I want to tell you, it's the owner's problem. Seriously. And here's the thing, because I understand if you're right, like if you're new to this of trusting God in this area, this can sound crazy. But I'm telling you, of 30 years of trusting the Lord uh, in this way, he has always delivered. He's always come through. And this is part of actually how we get to know God. This is why I'm so passionate about this, because it actually it changes our relationship with him. We start to see his provision. He'll challenge us. He'll challenge us to do something, but then he'll come through with his provision. And it's a beautiful expression of God being at work in our lives. But we have to get ownership right in our hearts and in our heads. Secondly, we have to overcome the, what I'll call the illusion of keeping, which says, I'll be richer if I hold on to it. My friends, it's, it's, it's a cup mentality. Here I'm wrestling a mean spirit. I don't want others to have it. I want to have it. You see it in toddlers. Toddlers, they're, they're, they might be playing with a toy, and then they see another kid go for a toy that they're not playing with, and they run to get it because they want it. Like they, didn't, they were perfectly happy until they saw something, and then they want it. I, I want it. It's mine. And yet we can be like that. The fist is a, is a great picture of this principle. Because if my fist is closed, if I think that the two pounds in my fist they're, that actually I'm richer if I keep them. And I understand at one level, logic would say yes, and then I, I am not open to receive. Whereas actually, if, if my, my hand is open, then the Lord can pour in. And I know for me, it was, it was a picture, it was as if the Holy Spirit started to do a work <laughs> in my life of helping me open up and not live under the illusion of keeping. Given it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. For the measure you used, it will be measured to you. In 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about financial generosity of the church in Philippi. And he starts to unpack what, what, I, what I call the principle of flow. That actually, if I, if I give, I'm positioned to receive that the Lord can help us. A stingy plan to get a stingy crop, a lavish plan to get a lavish crop. The first rule of faith in giving, I have to sow it to reap it. I'll be honest, I've never given to get, as I've said before, and I wouldn't encourage us that we approach with that mentality. And yet the reality is if I sow it, the Lord can multiply it. In my early 20s, when I was working for this church, the Lord spoke to me. We're in ministry about about having a property as a pension. And I had this dream. There was no way we could gear the finance for this. Uh, but I held on to the dream, and I, it, was, I, I, it was something over many, many years. And then I managed to develop a business on the side of working in full-time ministry. And over a period of three or four years, we managed to put 12,000 pounds aside to put down as a deposit on a property. And I got into a conversation with a Christian businessman who agreed to go 50-50 with us. And we put an offer on a property which we were going to half own. It was going to be our primary pension 
provision. I've never spoken about this here before. And, uh, and the offer got turned down. And then we were looking for another property. And before we put an offer on a second property, the Lord spoke to us to give the 12,000 pounds away. Now, I want to tell you, I, I've just talked about ownership. I want to tell you that was a wrestle. I didn't find that easy. And, but, but we did it by the grace of God. We just, we just gave it all away, one big fat check. But also we gave away the dream of, of being able to do that. But here's the thing. Several years later, the property market had moved, and we were in a position to remortgage our home that had increased massively in value while we were just sitting in it. And um, we were able to give finance and, and raise a deposit and put an offer in on a house. And it was, it was the very street. There's 14 houses on this particular street, and it's literally the best street in the middle of student land in Nottingham where we used to live. And it was the street where I had asked the Lord for a property 13 years earlier. And normally those properties didn't come up for sale. And when they did, the property moguls would get it. And the Lord spoke to us about getting it. And we got it. And we got 40,000 pounds off the asking price. And that is our primary pension provision and has been for a number of years. And, but I, I want to tell you, we had to first understand that we had to be willing uh, to give in order to receive. We gave the dream away, and the Lord gave it back, and some. Not 50-50, but the whole thing. Because you cannot outgive God, but we had to get over the illusion of keeping, that if I keep, I'm going to be richer. I'm encouraging this church not to be reckless, but to be obedient, and to trust him. That we would be stewards of what is in our hand, and we would be careful, and we would be diligent. And we would mon manage our money well. I, I believe in good money management. If you've never been, why, why we don't teach this in our schools? I have no idea. It's madness. Like, why on earth? We do simultaneous equations, but nobody knows how to manage their money. But anyway, that's, sorry, that's, a, excuse me, a little political aside. Um, but actually, this is really important. And if you've never been taught that, if you've not had a good model inside of your home, please, the next time we're just, I think, coming to the end of running our current cap money budget managing course, and come book on, get on, get some help to put some things in place. I believe in that. But over and above that, we have to trust the Lord, work according to his principles, and get over the illusion of keeping. Thirdly, we have to overcome the fear of lack, which says, I can't afford to give it. It's different to, I'll be richer if I keep it. Here, we're not wrestling a mean spirit, we're wrestling a poverty spirit. I think this could be the biggest barrier in 2022, but it actually has nothing to do with how much money I've got. Because I know there are some incredibly wealthy people who live with a fear of lack. And they're mean-spirited. And I know some people who have materially very little, and yet they are full of faith that the Lord will provide for them. And they never get trapped in a poverty spirit. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want us to understand that God is Jehovah Jireh. I also want us to understand something. You see, God is Jehovah Jireh, which means uh, that the Lord will provide. It literally means the Lord who sees and the Lord who sees to it. And if we have need, I believe the Lord is the Jehovah Jireh that will see to it in our lives. But I also want us to understand, not, not that God being Jehovah Jireh is conditional, but if you look at the times of supernatural provision in the Bible, they almost always follow surrender. So the, the, the feeding of the 5,000 comes when a, a little boy gives his, gives his packed lunch away. The, the widow, whose oil and flour did not run dry and did not give up, she, she first 
had baked her last for the man of God. You see, Paul, when he's speaking to the church at Corinth, Philippians 4, and says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. He has just been speaking to them about their incredible giving that he references. He's talking about Philippi when he speaks to the Macedonian churches in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And he's saying that church, the church in Philippi, they gave even beyond their ability to give. Out of their extreme poverty, it says, it welled up to rich generosity. And then he's speaking to that people and he said, oh, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. And most of us, we want the promise without actually being willing to trust him in the first place. See, Abraham, when he sacrifices Isaac, and it's, it's there, it's on the mountain of the Lord. It's, it's there in Genesis 22 where, where he takes his son and he's on the altar. And at that point, he raises a knife to sacrifice his own son. The most precious thing is about to be given to the Lord because the Lord's asked for it. And the angel speaks, no, stop. And then he hears, there's a, and there's a ram. And he he, he takes Isaac off the altar and he sacrifices the ram and he says, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and who sees to it. And he says this, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. What's the mountain of the Lord? What well, is the place of sacrifice? It's the place of surrender. I absolutely believe God is Jehovah Jireh. But he comes, sometimes we might have to come to a place of surrender in order to see his provision, but that we will not wrestle through the fear of lack, but trust the Lord. And finally, why doesn't the band come? Time is gone. The deception of non-contribution, which says my bit won't make any difference. Maybe with my time, with my talents, with my treasure, we can look on and say it won't make any difference if I give or not. No one will miss my bit. But friends, let me tell you, firstly, it matters to the Lord. It matters to the Lord. He's watching the widow. Do you think her two little copper coins meant anything to the total offering, to the, to, to the, to the wealth of, of the temple of God? I, I don't think they did, but they mattered to God. And sometimes we could think, my bit doesn't make a difference, but it matters to the Lord. Sometimes he can multiply what, what we have given. But also, I want to encourage us, friends, that that our contribution, it matters to the Lord, but also it changes us. Hello? It, it changes us. It does something in me. I may have very little, but if I'm a bucket person, it changes me. It does something in my heart. Now, over the last five years, by the grace of God, the Lord has enabled Esther and myself to, to give more than at any other season in our life. We've had more. We've been able to give more. It's been, it's been a, the reality is to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, don't wish great wealth upon yourself and yes, unless you're ready to steward it before the Lord. And we've been able to do more and we thank God and we pray that in the season ahead, we'll be able to do more and more. And yet I know that the most formative season in my life has not been the last five years. It was when I had very little. After uni, when I was first working for, for this church, I was on a gross annual salary of 6,000 pounds for two years, and then it went up to 7,000 pounds. And I did a little calculator so like th this week, because you can Google it, how much would that be in today's money? It's just over 10,000 pounds salary. That was my full-time salary. There wasn't national minimum wage then. If it was, it would have been about 60% of minimum wage. Now, I'm not saying this is a sob story, 
Uh, but here's the reality. I didn't have a lot. I, I always tied through that season and the Lord was faithful. But I remember sometimes where the Lord challenged me. I, I, remember, I remember I saved up when the Message Bible first came out. I remember saving up. I really wanted the Message Bible. And I saved up 10 pounds. And I was able to go. And I went on a, on, a, on a day to buy the Message Bible. And as I went, the Lord spoke to me to give it away to somebody. Do you know what? God was doing something. He was unlocking my heart. He was challenging me. He says, Martin, are you going to be a, a cup person or a bucket person? I remember there was a, there was a special uh, offering uh, at our church. And we were asked to come. And in those days, we didn't have mobile phones. They, you got your, your bank balance and a statement once a month through the post. But you could go to a cash point and it would tell you how much money you actually had. And I remember going on my way to church this offering and I, and I put my card in. I had five pounds 14. And in those days, you could get a five pound note out. And I took a five pound note out and I put it in. And, I, and I'm not saying that for any heroes. I'm saying God did a work in my heart. Did my five pounds make a difference to the offering? Materially, it did not. I spoke to my friend on the, on the day who'd been my best man. They put 500 pounds in. Did my five pounds make a difference? It did not, but it made a difference to me. It did something in me. It broke something off me. It challenged me. It stretched me. It, it started to form Christ in me. Friends, I want to encourage us this year to trust the Lord, to seek to be bucket people, not cup people. Can we stand together? Why don't we open our hearts to Him? Maybe the Lord's speaking to you today. Maybe some of you have grown up in an environment of a poverty spirit. Maybe you've lived with, with incredible poverty and it's developed in you a fear of lack. I want you to know the Lord wants to do something in you today that you'd be free in this area. And maybe you've made a God of money or your time. Maybe you've been a cop person. Maybe you've been mean-spirited with your words and today the Holy Spirit would come and say, I want to do something in you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to bring generosity into your world. Why don't you begin to pray where you are? Lord, would you help us? Lord, I thank you for incredible provision. Thank you, Lord, this year that we do not need to be afraid because we serve one whose arm is never too short. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to abundantly and amply supply in every situation. I pray, God, that you do a work in our hearts. Help us to be a generous people. Help us to reflect you. Help Christ to be formed in us. Lord, I thank you that actually this is a generous church. You've taught us. You've led us into generosity. Would you help us, Lord, in those areas of our heart where there is still work to do? that Christ may be glorified. In just a moment, Esther's going to come and close the service up. But before we finish, why don't we declare the faithfulness of God? Who knows that God has been faithful? This great old hymn, it says, All I've needed, thy hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness. Let's sing with faith.